Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I reside usually on the Erie campus. Today we got our fearless, maybe fearful leader at times. (laughs) Tom Shirk is in the building. He's sitting down with me this week. It's a joy that he's here. You're going to be excited about this conversation. Today we're going to have a lot of fun as well as get into some serious moments, some good scriptures. Hey, before we go, before we do today, will you go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, click events, find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. It's gonna be really a great season. This is the Easter season. There's so many wonderful opportunities to serve throughout the Easter season, as well as get connected. You wanna to go to calvarybible.com, click that campus, folks. Also, if you have any problems with navigating calvarybible.com you can always write thomas milburn at calvary no you can always reach out to me love to connect you here at calvary hey tom you know what happened this sunday i do (laughs) you don't know what happened in the lobby this sunday someone walked up and gave me some swedish fish a big giant bag of swedish fish why well if you listen to the podcast we talked one time about our favorite sort of candy right i see and Thomas got a giant box of can't his favorite, mm-hmm. and I got Swedish fish. Oh, there you go. Well, it just happens that this week I ran out of those Swedish fish, and the Lord provides oh, because sweet. Sunday this gentleman comes up and gives me a giant bag of Swedish fish, and I'm I'm really busy actually, and I'm like, thank you, you know, I don't have time to go back to the office to drop it, so I drop it at the welcome center. I go to church with my family, come back out, it's missing. Oh no, stolen from Not, the church. Nope, they thought it was de- dedicated to the kids' wing. Oh, for there you go, for Easter egg. <laughs> so I had to go by the Calvary staff and say, that was my Swedish fish, not for the Easter egg hunt, <laughs> and pull it out of the bucket for Easter egg candy. <laughs> I hope that was captured on video. <laughs> I, you know what? It was captured by some staff members here at Calvary, and I have a feeling they're going to bring it up. Okay. <laughs> Once again, I stole from the... Easter egg bin. Okay, I get it. <laughs> hey, but it's also a great week because we started March Madness. Yes, we did. Yeah. 64 and, down to 16. And is your team still in it? Actually, Yukon Huskies. Go wow. Huskies. Yeah. Looking good. You're from that area of the world. Yes, I am. East of the Mississippi. <laughs> I don't know much about it. Oh, the great teams out there. Oh, fun. That's really fun. And also... Got to watch some golf this weekend. Watched a little bit of golf, a little yeah. choking down the stretch from a couple guys. and Yeah. Uh, No-name guy, just steady and finished early and ended up winning it all. Yeah, man. How many years have you golfed? Uh, probably too many for how <laughs> bad I am, but uh, probably 40 years. Man, what's the, what's the greatest two takeaways you've taken from the game of golf? Oh, golf is just, it's a great physical test. Yeah. Um, it is also eventually a, an emotional test of whether you can hold your <laughs> your spirit together after how bad you might hit a shot. And, yeah. And then you hit that sweet one and say, I could do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, it's social, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. There's a great complexity to golf that I love. Yeah. It's a great diversion from, you know, I actually don't mind playing golf by myself. It's mm-hmm. funny. I'm probably an introvert, so I could go out and play golf by myself and be really refreshed yeah. uh, by being out there. Yeah. 
That's really fun. That's really fun. I'm so glad you have a hobby like that. Yeah, I'm out of commission right now with my arm. Yeah. Hurt my, my arm, but uh, I have a friend at the Boulder campus who's committed to making me a better putter while I can't take a full swing right now. <laughs> so I've got a, I've got a two month regime when I can't swing my arm fully because of my injury that I can at least putt. So oh, that's cool. what I'm going to be working on. That's really fun. Yeah. Get that, get out there this spring, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I guess as a golfer, this is your favorite time of year, right? Uh, there are some great tournaments. There's one coming up. It coincides, unfortunately this year with Easter, mm-hmm. but it's called the masters. Yeah. But it also, even in Colorado, you weather's getting warmer, courses are opening up. You know what I mean? That that type of thing. Oh some, yeah. Some looking forward to. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love I love spring in Colorado because you never know what you're gonna get. That's true. And then there's these beautiful days of just like the warm weather. I'm ready for warm. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, let's jump into this conversation. So, you know, we often ask as we often know on this podcast that there's some things that preachers leave behind. They don't say on Sunday, Mm. just not enough time. Maybe the Lord was pressing you into a different moment from, you know, what you were studying to where you ended up on Sunday morning. Um, I'm always curious. So what did you leave behind that you just didn't feel like fit this message or this moment um, yesterday in Boulder? Yeah. Well, I made three points about the the full sweep of the narrative of uh, Luke 22, and that is that we, we see Jesus as being sovereign over everything. Yeah. Um, you know, when he told the disciples to go to the city and you're going to find a man carrying a, a jar of water. And Jesus, you know, just was, he was in control of everything at the end of his life. And there's so much that you could talk about that, that he was controlling all the circumstances that would end in his demise on the cross, and it was all part of the plan of God. And that's a bit of a reassurance to us to know that the Lord is really fully in control of everything in our lives, and it often includes really hard things. Mm-hmm. But we should never question whether or not the Lord's sovereign in those times as well, and Jesus demonstrates that. And then the other thing that was sort of, I, I didn't spend too much time on, but um concludes where Jesus gives this little lesson. I, I'm here as one who serves. And uh, we often underestimate the role that serving plays in our own spiritual growth and development. And we emphasize Bible teaching and studying the word and praying. And those are crucial. Mm-hmm. But so is serving. Serving is a way that you really grow spiritually. And when Jesus took up the towel, washed the disciples' feet, really a... Um, a menial task. He was demonstrating uh, what what should be the mindset for all of us, and we, we were much like the disciples. We're trying to decide who's the greatest, or you know, how do we advance? How do we climb up the ladder? How do we be acknowledged? And the real key to spiritual growth is being humble enough to serve other people, often without acknowledgement, and and something happens spiritually to us. I didn't really get to spend enough time on that. Yeah. As I think about even my own life, just processing what, why you're talking, it's like, yeah, I've had some transform, transformational moments, reading my Bible, praying, things like that, worshiping. But probably the majority of my real formation has come in laying down my life, yep. serving. Yep. Like that's the hardest one too, usually. Yeah, it is. And to the extent that you can do that with other people, mm-hmm. you, you have this sort of synergy when people serve together. 
that's why we often call at Calvary, you know, come, come be a part of this team. We're going to go help um, over the domestic um, violence center or the homeless shelter, or we're yeah. going to do something in this school together. And as you serve together, you actually experience the joy of the Lord of putting other people ahead of you, which is exactly what Jesus did. You're walking in his steps when you serve other people without uh, the need for acknowledgement. Yeah, I really enjoyed my seasons of ShareFest because of that. Exactly. That Saturday of just hanging out with great people, doing some projects like painting some walls, whatever yeah. it was, pulling yeah. weeds, pulling bushes, whatever it was. It was yeah. just fun. Completely. And if you look back at the photos of that part of our history, you, you just see a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, and a lot of smiles mm-hmm. in working, doing pretty menial things, but you're serving other people. Um, it's a really key to spiritual growth. Yeah, I really like how you emphasize community on that. Mm-hmm. It's not an individual yeah. pursuit, but communal. Yep. yep. So if you're in a life group, you know, one of the best ways that your life group can grow and experience spiritual development in a sort of catalytic way is find a project to do together, right. jump in and do it once a year, twice a year. Um, so yeah. a little commercial there. No, that's I'm, I'm going to pay you money for that later. Mm. Hey, but um, also like, okay, so you left that on the – table cutting room floor maybe yep a little bit you know as you're preaching this sermon or as even yesterday afternoon you're sort of processing it what do you feel like the lord was really pressing in on you in regards to the text in which you really landed on the lord's supper yeah so how rich is it for us to be in the gospel of luke including in the final days of the lord's life um as we're approaching Easter. Mm-hmm. And what happens in chapter 22 and 23 and 24 is, is just such a, uh, it's a humbling reflection of what Jesus actually did, but from a theological perspective, you see a cataclysmic shift mm-hmm. in God's redemptive work in history in this moment of chapter 22 when Jesus um, you know, says the the words, I am not going to eat again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. There's something about this last Passover that happened before Jesus died, the day before he died, that is changing all of God's plan for history. And what it is, is it's wrapping up an end to the commemoration of Passover as the most significant um, feast for his people mm-hmm. and replacing it with the Lord's Supper, what we celebrate is communion. And um, I love that that is the picture. Jesus actually says uh, the Passover is not on God's calendar Mm -hmm. in the way it has been. And what's on God's calendar now is the Lord's Supper. Uh, This is my body. This this cup is my blood shed for you. It's a really uh, colossal, massive theological shift. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews is actually helping inform that with you. Yep. Some posts, you know, um, thought there with Jesus in the Old Testament. Also, I think it's really important to think about, like, even Acts. Acts wrestles with this question, right? Should we do the Passover? Is it done? What do right. we do? How the Lord's Supper? And the Lord's Supper becomes the most prominent fixture right. within sure. the text for right. us. For Christians. For Christians. For yeah. Christians, because... Um, if you think of it as the Passover celebrated the death of millions of lambs over over the centuries, um, 
who were whose blood was shed to cover sins, and they were never able to take away the sins. They yeah. covered them over, and uh, the beautiful picture of the lamb's blood being put on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over that house. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that are implicit there. One is that the judgment of God requires death. Mm-hmm. You know, So the lambs were just a picture, a foreshadowing of uh, the, the price of redemption mm-hmm. through blood. And all those lambs are um, sort of su- supplanted. They're, they're eclipsed mm-hmm. by the final death of the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, um, I think by that, then says, um, Passover is done. This is the last one. Mm-hmm. This is the new celebration, communion. My, my death for you, by which all your sins can be forgiven, not just covered, but really removed. Yeah, really. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I think the emphasis that you're making is a really great reminder that as we read our Old Testament, as we love our Old Testament, the foreshadows all culminate here in the Gospels. They're, yep. they're finished. Yep. And, and it's a beautiful way in which to sort of read the Gospels. How are they finished? Yeah. How are they completed? Yep. How does Jesus work? And the writer of Hebrews helps us understand some of those connections, mm-hmm. those shadows. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really important. I think that's a really good emphasis on the Lord's Supper that we don't think about is it's the ending of the Passover and the beginning of the dwelling with God yep. at the table. So you can see again and again in the, in the gospel narrative that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the fulfillment of all the shadows of the Old Testament. I mean, think about what happened when Jesus died on the cross um, this great event that occurred that no man could accomplish is the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Yeah. It was a thick one inch cloth and, um, you know, it was tall and th- it, it only occurred because God rendered it. He, he tore it apart. And when he did that, it opened up the Holy of Holies place. No one could go. And it was just, just like, this is the end of the Holy of Holies. This, this is the end of every ritual of every sacrifice, because this is the final fulfillment. And that's actually what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse 11. It says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, okay. uh, waiting for that time for his enemies to be made his footstool. A single offering he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. How powerful is that, God, oh, to do it in one moment? Yeah, in one moment. It just radically changes. And so now we celebrate a new covenant uh, through his blood, and that new covenant has much deeper realities that God places his spirit in our hearts. He totally removes our sins. We have the law of God in us. Um, these are the pictures of um, Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 31 just comments that, that this new covenant's coming and Christ inaugurates it mm-hmm. by his death. Yeah, let's go back to Jeremiah like 31. Sometimes I think it's really good to understand the context of 31 because we, we read this verse a lot. We mm-hmm. see this verse a lot throughout Christianity. So what is going on in Jeremiah that makes this such radical news does that make sense yeah so it's under judgment it's a prophetic word of judgment coming Mm -hmm. um and it's doom and it's difficult and it's like oh 
It's a really hard reality. It it truly is. Um, and then in the midst of it, there's this promise that in those days, um, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, those days of trial. I will put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. Um, they will know me, the indwelling spirit. I mean, it's just a beautiful promise of an internal reality after celebrating all of these external ceremonies and practices, uh, God has come to dwell within us. This is the new covenant, his life for us. I said yesterday that, um, you know, Jesus lived a perfect life and we lived a sinful life. And his death on the cross by faith in him allows uh, this reality yeah. that he took the consequences for our sinful life and he gives to us the reward of his righteous life by faith. It's just a fantastic uh, transfer, and it's only possible because the sacrificial death of Christ made that possible. Yeah. Mark made the point that salvation requires judgment. Right. And I think that's such a great reminder that it wasn't an easy salvation. No. And the judgment actually is actually not even God judging man, but God judging his very own son. Exactly. Which is even greater news. Yeah. That he was capable of that. It's unfathomable news that, um, you know, to be delivered from judgment requires death. Mm -hmm. And Jesus took our place. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It's it's a substitutionary atonement (laughs) in theological words. (laughs) You know, maybe a a great practice even of, you know, we talk about making this very practical. Um, Even in this season as we're preparing our hearts for Easter, there's many ways which we can do. One of those ways is even maybe this week, thinking about what actually judgment requires. Does that make sense? Mm. Thinking about the negative, the hard things in which judgment brings about, you know, death, um, hardship, suffering, things like that, so that we can see the future salvation is even in a greater light. Does that make sense? Mm. So to order to to see salvation for as good as it is, you have to see judgment for how bad it is. And judgment being deserved because of the reality of our sinfulness. Right. You know, That's right. A lot of people say, I mean, people say, why did Jesus have to die? Um, the wages of sin is death. You know, and how, how bad are we that this would be, couldn't there be another way? And there was no other way. And, you know, people say, well, there are many ways that lead to heaven. No, there's really, it's, it's Christ who mm-hmm. is the, the one who paid this debt because judgment was necessary. Judgment was necessary because we're woefully sinful and need to be forgiven. Um, and I think that's a great way to frame our own preparation as you come into Easter. And Easter is very triumphant as we think about the resurrection and new life and hope springs eternal but the reality is that that only is, uh, it is as precious as it is when you know how bad it is without him. Right. That's yeah. right. And we see that throughout the Gospels. I was meeting with a friend last week over coffee and asked him, what was your reflection of Luke? You know, like we're finishing up, you've been reading it. And he said, I'm, I'm always surprised. He was like, in this season, I was surprised. Let me say it better. Um, that... Jesus talked about judgment so often, mm. the bad news mm-hmm. throughout Luke. Yeah, He's like, I was really caught off guard by that again. Mm. 
And I was like, that's a really good reminder, especially as we approach Easter yep. and read the Gospel of Luke right. and finish out the Gospel of Luke, is what what is Jesus saying? He was talking about his own judgment. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to the final week, like you mean, he made the, the preparations himself. And I, I was caught by this word, even in our Texas, we can earnestly desire. Yeah. And the the Greek there of earnestly, earnestly. Yeah. You know, it's like a double. Like we would say, I really, really yeah. want to eat this with you. I don't think Jesus says that phrase very often. No, or I don't think ever. so either. So it's a really surprising phrase that this was a really culmination for him. Yeah, I, I think it just points again to what, what we said is yeah. that this is a really historic moment. I really, really wanted to get to this because this is going to bring an end to the old covenant mm-hmm. in its realities, and it's going to open up a new covenant. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the end of all that was to foreshadow what is to come because the real has come. Um, I really, really wanted to eat this with you, and I won't eat it again till the kingdom and then he said, but when we're in the kingdom, we will. We'll sit down and eat and celebrate. Yeah, you won't a, do a, it. a feast there. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. What a beautiful picture. So as you're thinking about Calvary, and we're transitioning from um, Luke's this Luke series into the future spring and summer, great year of 2023, we're hoping it is anyways, mm-hmm. Yeah. praying it is, how would you encourage each of us to process Easter and then post-Easter uh, leaving the series in Luke? Well, it's it's been sweet to be in four or five weeks in the last days of Jesus' life. So I think as you're preparing over the next two weeks coming into Easter, to whatever extent you can prepare yourself, this is what Lent is sometimes for, you know, to try to begin to fix your mind on self-denial and then being ready to really celebrate. Um, I try to think of what happened on Friday, again, it's a little bit of what, what you were just saying. You think about how bad it is, and that makes you appreciate how great it is, how how dear the cost was that Jesus actually suffered in the way he did. And then what is the outcome of his suffering? It really is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't really appreciate the fact that I am forgiven because we have a guilty conscience or we, we won't forgive ourselves or but, but when God says, I have removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, I, I have um, made you a new creation. The old is past. God doesn't think of us as we often think of ourselves, frail sinners. He thinks of us as his dear children. Um, so as you prepare, even for Good Friday, I love to prepare for Good Friday. I, I think of that day. I'm able in my job to probably just take that day and really focus on it. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to us to, as you come into Good Friday, just prepare about, well, how dear was the cost that Jesus paid for us? And why was it necessary? It was necessary because we were fully estranged from God. We were enemies with God. And this amazing work of grace brings us near into his family and and gives us these realities of a full forgiveness, a clean conscience, and an eternal hope. Yeah, that's really good, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for leading us through that. As you think about the year to come as well, what are you excited about post-Easter at Calvary? What are you excited about for the summer and next fall? What are some of the things that really have, you're just like, this is going to be a really yeah. fun or a challenge? Or well, One of the things that's happened over the last couple of um, months, I would say the last six months, is we've seen a real surge of people coming to Calvary. 
and we, we have a lot of new people around all of our campuses. And, um, you know, I'm excited to reinforce what we're trying to do as a church together to be a Christ-centered community, really centered on Christ. Easter's going to help us in that. And then the way we love God and love other people is where we're going to be moving in our in our preaching and in our um, in, into May with uh, the 6-8 project and how we think about how do we be this beautiful presence of Christ in the world and in a world that is not really supportive of the truths that we hold so dear. Um, it's increasingly a, a hostile environment to be in. Uh, so that, that's what we're going to be talking about. How do we live in the world um, um, distinctively for Christ when the world is going a different direction in a lot of ways? Yeah, that's really good, Tom. I love that. I'm looking forward to that here at Calvary over the next season here. As you continue to pray for us, pray. we pray for you. We're thankful for you. Continue to be faithful as we will continue to see him faithful in all that he does and says in our life. Um, Calvary, you can always reach us at the weekly. We always love to get comments, questions. You can hit us up in the lobby. Talk to us. Let us know you're listening this week. We're always encouraged by that as we're encouraged by you. As well as go to calvarybible.com. Like I always say, get connected here. Jump into this wonderful community. Have your faith really grow by serving here by investing here and by being known here. We love you. Have a great week. Tom, thanks for being here, my friend. We're done already? That was so good. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, it was great to be with you. We love you. We're praying for you, Calvary.